Thank you for tuning into the Hope When There Was None podcast. And here we share stories to educate you, to empower you and inspire. So thank you for listening and tuning in. Please do me a favor and share if you have a favorite episode, or maybe you think somebody else that needs a dose of positivity and to maybe break open some of the darkness, let there be light. So thank you again for all of your support and encouragement. I hope you enjoy this episode. It's Melinda from Hope When There Was None coming on. I had an important question that was uh, given to me chatting with somebody that's going through the process of leaving her abuser. Actually, she's left her abuser and now she has to go through the court system through legal land. And you know what? Honestly, it can be very frustrating to go through the legal process when you are just starting out or anytime, really and truly. But I needed to, for myself, I needed to have a diversion. So this is where I started to find empowerment. Also a lot of frustration. (laughs) And I threw myself into learning about the legal system. Okay, I'm not an attorney. I'm not any any kind of counselor or anything and so on and so on. But I needed the legal system in order to keep myself moving in a positive manner. Now, there are moments that I found where I was very frustrated. I was very confused and uh, disheartened going through legal land. Uh, and it can be that way for not only just myself, but also those involved as well. And when you get into an attorney and so on and so on. So I did find myself at different times without counsel. And also without money in order to hire one. Paperwork for much of the divorce and separation progress, excuse me, process can be found online in many cases or at the courthouse. Now, things didn't always go as I wanted them to. Learning the different jargon and the terms for the judicial judicial system really helped me feel more confident, honestly. And uh, especially when I was speaking in court. But of course, you don't have that if you don't have that degree, if you don't have that um, that legal information, education, and so on, you, I hate to say they talk to you like a second-class citizen, but they do. You aren't given the same treatment as if you were an attorney. But it does have, you do have a lot more, um, you know, empowerment and confidence when you start learning what these terms are. And what do I mean by these terms? First of all, let's talk about when you go to court. So when you have to go to court, um, and it's going to be different for everybody because I know the gal I talked to and she said, you know, it's too bad there's not a checklist. And you know what? She's right. It's too bad there's not a checklist. But for everybody, it's going to be different. Someone out there might be leaving their abuser and they might not have to go through the, that divorce process or separation process. They might not have children. There's just so many different ins and outs here. So let's say you have children. So we're going to talk about that. So you've got your attorney or you've went ahead and looked for what's called a pro bono attorney. I'll talk about that in a little bit. But um, you went ahead, you've got that attorney. Now what? What happens? So you're going to have your pretrial. You'll you'll have your preliminary and so on. It's kind of like fact finding in the very beginning. And so what do you wear? Let's start out with something simple. You're going to want to look nice. Don't come in a ripped up shirt and your big old hoop earrings. Don't be coming chewing gum. Don't, you know, have raggedy jeans on. Look presentable. Look really nice as you can. I'm not saying you have to dress in heels and a big in a dress or a dress suit. Just wear something that looks nice, uh, maybe casual. 
office casual, a uh, nice pair of slacks, a nice button-down t-shirt, not t-shirt, you know, a nice button-down shirt, just something nice, something nice and presentable, uh, something you would go to church in or, or whatever your religious services are, just something that looks makes you look nice and might even make you feel a lot more confident as well. So wearing those clothes that look presentable, um, come with a notepad and a pen because you might have questions. If you have legal representation, you might want to jot down a question that you might have that comes up while you're going through the court hearing. You might have um, maybe information you need to just scribble down and show to your attorney during the hearing. Those are things I know I've done. You might, um, it might bubble up with different emotions, different uh, memories that you might have. So it's very important. You can also go ahead and note when you are going to court and so on and so on. Don't rely on the mail to send you out that documentation or even your attorney. Write it down yourself. Write all those important questions down. Again, we, I want you to find some empowerment. I want you to find some confidence again. And so taking these small steps, just bringing a notepad and pen, really and truly sounds really kind of silly, but it can help. It can go a long way. Also, make sure you bring that with you all the time. Okay, and um, yeah, it's just very important. Keep it in the car if you need to, but take that with you. It's really important. And also a calendar so you can know, okay, well, this is going to work. You know, write that in your calendar right away. Okay, I know I have court in a month from now and so on. So when we talk about those littles, those little kids too, they can't, more than unless they're called, they can't are unable to go into court with you. Um, it's not a place for children, but also they usually have in courts, courthouses, they usually have some sort of child care. Um, now with COVID, I don't know how that's going, but they do have some kind of child care where you could drop off your child during that period of time while you're at the hearing. There is security and so on. It's not that they're just all over the place. They're in a specific room. They have security set up so you can be... Um, you can be a lot more comfortable in going to your hearing. Your focus is then on what's going on and not worried about your, your child. Because sometimes, you know what, I'm bored. And I know bringing a child into court would be very boring for your child. So um, bring bring the child down to child care. Find out about it in advance, okay? You don't want to go to court on the day of and like, what do you mean you don't have child care? Try and see if you can plan that in advance. Ask your attorney about it. Just these little steps will go a long way. Now, before your event, you are probably going to be all keyed up. You're probably going to be a bundle of nerves, if not excited uh, or scared. It depends on, you know, your case. What do you got going on? So I'm going to encourage you maybe to go earlier before, uh, maybe even a half hour earlier before your court date. Excuse me, not your court date before your time is up for that. You might even go to the bailiff when you check in because there is a check in, and you tell the bailiff that um, maybe you're afraid for your life. Maybe you are in fear of your life. So you can go to the bailiff and say that, you know what, I'm in fear for my life. I cannot be in the same room as my wife, my husband, whoever that is for you. Can I be seated somewhere else or put in another room? Let me tell you this right now. No one is going to advocate for you better than yourself. You are your best advocate. And if you've never done this before, if you've never stood up for yourself before, this is that time for you to start doing so. It's time, again, to get some empowerment back, some confidence, 
And if you are doing this for your children as well, they need somebody on their side. And this is going to have to be you, mom or dad, okay? So you're going to have to really and truly, this is where adulting kind of sucks, but really and truly start standing up for yourself. Start taking those baby steps forward in order to to get control of your life again. And this is where it gets kind of screwy too, because if you're dealing with somebody that's called a narcissist and... Um, as you get going, if you've never heard that term before, as you go get going on your healing journey, you'll start seeing these pop up more and more as you start doing the Google and trying to figure out, well, what's wrong with me? What's abuse? You'll start seeing gaslighter, narcissists. You'll start seeing covert narcissism. All these, these words which seem kind of really dark and so on. But as you get going on your journey, you will start seeing these things. You know, once I started that down that rabbit hole of healing I all of a sudden all these these terms I had never heard before besides being an abuser started popping up and that led me to investigate a little bit more but anyway let me get back to this so making sure you have child care arriving early do me a favor and like I said contact the bailiff when you get there check in with them let them know hey I don't want to be out here by myself or whatever whatever words you have to use again I fear for my life I have a protective order against my my partner and I can't be in the same room with them they will they should be able to put you in another room uh, you might even ask for an escort to the courtroom okay you to your hearing as well ask for a security guard if you don't feel comfortable or safe now afterwards, you're going to, again, be really keyed up. You're going to feel, you might feel like you've been hit by a truck, feeling really tired, anxious, hypervigilant. You might feel very, very jumpy. Um, so all of these things are going on with yourself. Do me a favor, do something for you afterwards. You know, don't leave right away, by the way. Again, you can ask for someone to escort you out to your car or wait 10 minutes, 15 minutes, do a scan, make sure that uh, you don't see whoever that is out by your car. And, um, you know, it always helps to take a friend with you. If you can take a friend, if you can find an advocate to go with you as well, if you went through a shelter or so on, ask. Don't be afraid to ask. Now, in addition to that, afterwards, like I said, do something for you afterwards. You might be let down, you might be excited. Um, at the outcome, it depends on what happened. You know, maybe your abuser was granted custody. Maybe your abuser was uh, granted overnights. And uh, for the kids, maybe they were granted the house. Maybe you have to pay for health insurance. There's so many different things that could go on and down when you're going through these. So do something for yourself, even if it didn't go as planned. Go out for coffee call a friend. If you need to go somewhere at a park and go yell and scream, go ahead and go yell and scream in your car. Whatever it is for you, do something to discharge. Go ground yourself. Journal the experience. Um, you know, just do something for you. And I'm not saying, you know, go right back to work and so on. Take time off if you can and just do something for you. Even if it's just to go and binge Netflix, go watch something, read a book, you get the picture, really and truly, you need to do something for you. Practice some breathing, some um, meditation, something in order to to discharge. Because you, you are, I know I was so keyed up. I wanted to throw up. I wanted to, even a few times I wanted to faint. I would feel lightheaded. I was just so in such a, a 
high strung mode. I really was. And it was hard to come down. And it might even take a couple days, like I can even remember like a week later, still feeling exhausted just from all the stress of court and dealing with my ex. And, you know, just going through the motions anyway, dealing with him inside the courtroom and then of course the crap he was doing outside of the courtroom too so i was just like a big bundle of nerves really and truly so please do something for you um something that you want to enjoy go out to the show i've given you enough ideas there so what are some terms when you're dealing with a separation or divorce from your partner so you might hear the word GAL or guardian ad litem. So what a guardian ad litem is, it's a person who in the court represents the best interests of your child. It's also a CASA can do this too. It's court appointed special advocate. And uh, I know that's something I do. So we are looking for the best interests of the child, okay, in parental rights, with divorce, and responsibilities case. The GAL and the CASA will investigate a family situation and advise the court where the child should live or, or what type of contact they should have with the parents and so on and so on. We're looking for the best interests of the kids. Maybe they need more underwear and mom, and mom isn't giving them for overnights. Maybe that child is um, regressing and mom has custody right now and she's noticed when that child goes over to dad's, the now the child's wetting their pants again. So something might be going on. So that person, that GAL, that CASA is going to investigate a little bit more. Now they're not an investigator, so to speak. They're going on their hunches. They're going by, they're talking to people. They're looking at the home life situation. Is there neglect going on? Is there uh, more abuse going on? What's going on should this child remain with their parent now with both of these as well as any other legal land lawyers and counselors and therapists and so on is there a chance in DCS workers is there a chance that your abuser will either have pull and what I mean by that maybe they're highly uh, affluent perhaps they have a lot of close ties into this legal system wherever you are it could be that your abuser is just so dang good and in convincing at making other people make it look like you're the one that's crazy or you're the one that's abusive yes it happens and that's a very scary thing going into this is you don't know. You don't know if a person is going to say that you are the abuser and then take your kids away. You don't know if your kids are being uh, manipulated, something called parental alienation, if the other parent is promising them the world and so on, and they maybe the kids start saying bad things against you that you're abusing them. This can happen, and it's very heartbreaking when this happens. It's heartbreaking when the GAL or the CASA doesn't believe the victim and this this is just one of the things that's messed up and dcs and so on legal courts appointed <clears throat> attorneys and so on this is where it gets really screwy and i know it's heartbreaking it is frustrating and um i know there are people that would want to get a they want to do away with the gals and the casa now in my experience i had a good experience I'm not just saying that because I'm a CASA, but when I had a GAL, I had a good experience with that. Even when I had, um, we had child services called on us, even when that was brought in, I still had a good, I had a good um, outcome for mine. Okay, that's not for everybody, but 
luckily I I was very blessed so let's talk about also what the heck is mediation what the heck is arbitration what is all this so if you're going through a divorce you have a mediation process which when you're divorcing your spouse your partner you try to negotiate what's acceptable what um, what can you come to terms with and there's usually a third party a mediator and now the mediator helps to communicate between one another the spouses and negotiate anything excuse me anything that they need to to come to terms with okay so uh, they aren't gonna make a decision for any of you but they are going to they're gonna kind of run referee now both mediation and arbitration I know this sounds like I'm speaking another language right they usually involve a neutral third party and it's not a judge in mediation the neutral party has no power to make the decisions and in the arbitration the neutral third party that arbitrator they listen to the facts and they decide the case just like a judge would although the parties can present evidence and make arguments they don't have a say in the final decision now we talk about some visitation and supervise I mentioned that as well what the heck is supervised visitation well visitation is set out its contact between the child and the parent okay or a third party who doesn't stay at the primary residence for the child the visitation can be set out to an, a number of ways it could be set up by um, determined by the school calendar it could be determined by the custodial parent there could be structured visitation scheduling like with holidays summer vacation and weekends and then supervised supervised visitation now if one parent has sole legal custody the parent has the authority to make those long-range decisions regarding health education maybe education excuse me religious decisions for the child now the parent who doesn't have legal custody shouldn't try to subvert those decisions but you know it does it happens for example if a parent decides to uh, with legal custody decides to raise a child in a uh, Muslim tradition or Jewish tradition then the parent with the visitation rights shouldn't go ahead and get that child baptized in the Catholic Church right but it happens unfortunately it does happen so how do you determine that visitation schedule now that visitation schedule the court usually asks that the parents work together to determine that schedule for the best interest of the child like let's say the kid has after-school events and dad lives close to karate so then he can pick him up since he's got a flexible schedule and take him to karate or maybe there is uh, some distance or traditions or so on and so on so each visitation might have to be scheduled out a little more uniquely if they're working there might be work schedules that have to be as well be thought of as well in order to meet the needs of the child now when we talk about uh, visitation too uh, we'll talk about that in a second about supervised visitation so usually the biological parent is awarded visitation so sometimes you will have a grandparent uh, or maybe the parents weren't married or they aren't currently divorced there could be step parents there's just a big variety of ways that um, children can be awarded or excuse me people can be awarded visitation with the kids um, if there's no case of brothers or sisters there could be a strong argument that the child must see grandma grandpa or so on and so on and visitation can be denied if there's an unsafe situation so we're talking about that supervised visitation it's important that anytime you feel that your child's life is in danger 
you need to bring it to the appropriate authorities, okay, in the attention of the court, let your attorney know, and what other agencies might be appropriate. The court has the power to deny visitation to a parent. Normally, the court will stop visitation for a certain period of time, or maybe there's something that needs to be done, a task that needs to be done. Perhaps a parent needs to get, get caught up on child support. Um, the parent who's been denied can should also consider and maybe filing some modification to the existing order. I know this this sounds all wild and crazy. This is a lot and I'm trying to get it in as short a period as I as I can. I'm trying to make not make this too long. Um so supposedly you shouldn't withhold visitation if your partner is behind in in um paying child support and alimony and so on. Supposedly it doesn't. You can get into into trouble. There can be jail time. So you don't want to deny that. But I would bring it up to your attorney um, to say, hey, you know what? They haven't paid this visitation and so on. <clears throat> Excuse me, paid their child support and so on. That's something different. So don't deny the parent if they're behind. You're not supposed to. And again, if something like that does happen, it's usually you want to bring it to the attention of your attorney. Now, when is supervised visitation or maybe a monitored exchange appropriate or when is it going to happen? Again, when a child seems like their um, their welfare is in danger, when they are also maybe neglected, <clears throat> if there's something that is the child is seen not in a safe place or they've visited mom or dad and now they have bruises or cigarette burns or something like that or they visited mom and dad and uh, the child says that uh, dad or mom had a party and um, uncle Jeff was there and uncle Jeff touched the child inappropriately or every time I go over to dad's he wants to watch me undress you know something like that and of course Here's this fine line again where we have to be careful that it doesn't seem like we're coaching our children. We do have to alert your attorney, alert the appropriate authorities, but also just be mindful. Sadly, sometimes these don't turn out the way that they should. Okay, so there are monitored exchange programs. There are supervised visitation programs out there as well. This is where the parent drops or the, the, yeah, the parent drops off the child and it's in a safe, it's supposed to be in a safe environment. And so then the other parent can go ahead and visit with the child. And we are being monitored, we are being watched. And there's usually games, there's usually uh, books and so on. So the parents can have that time, that quality time with their children. And again, they will, this is a neutral third party that does this. And they arrange for that um, visitation, especially because sometimes this is domestic violence. It might be difficult in many situations. So they might need that help in order to um, get that visitation done. Emotions can be really high. Emotions can be really, um, <clears throat> um, really um, extreme. Not only that, but volatile. Some of these situations can be very volatile. So um, in very rare instances, there have been moments where the 
visitations might be terminated. And it might, in my situation, everything was, we've had supervised visitation with my mother-in-law. Now I'm going to strongly suggest, please don't do it. If you have to have supervised visitation, see if you can have it monitored by a third party. Don't go through, through Aunt Jill, your ex's aunt, or your mother-in-law, your ex-mother-in-law. Don't do that. I did that and I, man, looking back, I really wish I hadn't done that. There were so many different things that happened as a result, things um, that didn't happen, and uh, it was just a very tense time for everybody involved. They were well-meaning, but there's just, it's a very sticky situation. If you can help it, don't do that. Find that outside neutral party as well. Um, so once my, my situation, once my ex, we did the supervised visitation with my mother-in-law and once that didn't work out because he caused problems, we went to another, we went to a neutral party. Once there was an explosion there, an exchange between my daughter and uh, her dad, once that went sideways, the girls, um, no one ever told me that I needed to have him see the girls again. And um, I didn't make them. Uh, was I worried that I was going to go to, to jail? Yeah. But um, I didn't force anybody or make anybody. Now, my ex's new wife, she wanted to have visitation. She really and truly did. She wanted, uh, she thought it was unjust and unfair, um, but she never, I was never able to get with her to explain why I was withholding visitation um, in my situation. I was never able to do that. But anyway, all supervised visitation and monitored should be considered. It's just something to think about. It's so on and so on. Having it at that neutral, neutral, um, Place as well, this neutral center. And these are prearranged times, so you can let, okay, I have a protective order. You can let them know so they can stagger that pickup and that drop off so you don't have contact with one another. And again, these are usually monitored by the staff, so it'll help ease that process with the kids too. So when should you consider using one of these services? Now this might be something you don't have a choice to do, that the court just appoints this. They just say this is what's gonna happen. Um, this can be maybe that uh, your partner is working on getting themselves clean for drugs and alcohol. It could be that they're abusive, they have trouble controlling their anger, uh, they've had inappropriate sexual behavior with the child. So monitored exchanges might be very useful in any of these situations. Uh, perhaps they don't have a primary residence, maybe they're homeless. Um, there's a wide variety of different reasons that this can be very helpful for. So you can ask your attorney for supervised visitation. Many people, again, they find that referral and they arrange that through uh, family services or DCS, Child Protective Services. Again, that court might just say, okay, this is enough, enough. We need to get these uh, children supervised visitation. Educating yourself about the system. I mean, ask, asking questions, really and truly. You're paying somebody or maybe you're blessed you might be blessed um, to have a pro bono attorney talk to them inquire about what's going on if you have any questions about any of the words i don't understand this or what does this mean 
or this is what's happening, should I bring this up to the judge, and so on and so on. Voice your concerns. Try and keep your emotions in check, though, and I know it's not easy. That's going to be the tough part. Listen, take notes, ask questions, ask if you can record a meeting. So you don't want to miss any everything, okay? Sometimes you, you might be worried, I'm going to miss this. And when you start that conversation and that flow, you, it's easy. It's very easy to miss some stuff. You might not be able to do that in court, but ask like when you go to your attorney uh, meeting if you can record things. Now, see, try and think about things in advance before you go to your appointment um, just to make sure you've got things in order. Like, um, okay, so we need to talk about visitation. We need to talk about bills. We need to talk about alimony. We need to talk about um, supervised visitation. We need to talk about when can I get in the house so I can get my stuff. These things, these things help. Well, you know, who's going to get the, the pets? Who's going to get the children and so on? Leave no stern, stone unturned. Now, if your legal representation doesn't seem like they're listening or understanding them, understanding, <clears throat> excuse me, fire them. And this is something that you do have the power to do. You might not have the finances to do so, so but I don't want you to be afraid to take that fire, excuse me, take that power and fire them if you need to. You can do this. Now, is it going to push back court proceedings? Yeah, it is. It will because someone else will have to, they'll have to take their representation out and someone else will have to put theirs in and so on. So it can be a little tricky there, but you do want to find somebody that maybe has a background in trauma. Maybe they've handled trauma cases before, uh, domestic violence cases before. You know, you want to be able to pick somebody that's worked for, excuse me, that you can work with and um, maybe that's sympathetic and not just collecting that fat check. So you can do a lot of separation and divorce yourself. It's frustrating. It can be very intimidating. Many states do offer legal assistance, legal aid, or again, that pro bono attorneys that can help you prepare, file, maybe give you some advice and represent you when you need it. And be careful though. You might be able to do a lot of this yourself if you don't have kids. Um, but it can get really, there's a slippery slope. I've seen many women that have done legal aid, just solely legal aid, but then they lost their children because they didn't have the savviness and the know-how that an attorney representing you in court can have, okay? And I've seen that in, sadly, too many cases. So know your limits. I guess it's because when I say when I when I say all of this, know your limits. So um, just be honest. Contact your local website, government websites for more information, and, or ask a women's shelter if you're staying in a women's shelter. If you're lucky um, enough to have one that's close to you, ask about resources for counseling, legal assistance, advocates, housing, um, job search, and there's so much more as well. So I hope some of this helps. Uh, this is a lot. I, I know, I know this is a lot of information, um, but I hope this helps you on your journey to, um, you know, um, the. I've seen some court cases go, um, they go to divorce, they are, everything's amicable, they split 50-50, they have no issues with the kids, uh, maybe it was an emotional abuse. And um, 
they were able to come to terms and figure everything out. And they, I think the quickest one I saw was maybe eight weeks. Somebody just, they were done with their abuser. And then there was somebody that it took 12 weeks and she was out without legal representation. Excuse me, I take that back. She was with re representation, but the attorney didn't have her best interest at heart, didn't listen to her at all. And it was a woman, I'm surprised, a woman attorney, but I guess it could be anybody. Um, and she didn't hear the victim at all. So that victim really and truly uh, lost. She ended up having to pay some health insurance and some other things. And she, um, her ex is making a lot more money than she is. So there are some screwy things. So go with your gut. If you know, if you feel that you're not being represented, excuse me, represented well enough by your attorney, you might have to just cut them cut it. And I know they're pretty darn pricey. See if you can find someone that'll work with you on the payments as well. Um, and they're out there. They really and truly are out there. So call your local bar association in your county and your town and ask, are there pro bono attorneys? And, and oh, whoops, I forgot to touch on that. So pro, pro bono attorney, what is that? That's someone's going to represent you for a reduced cost or for free. Now, you do have to meet certain criteria. You, it depends on your case. It might be that um, if you, you might need to be uh, somebody that is making under a certain amount. I don't know what that amount is. For me, I was making less than, I think, I think I was making like 12 thousand a year so that did approve me for the pro bono attorney also my circumstance was um, with even with the crazy he was able to handle that it did take me about I think I was on the wait list for about four or five months maybe a little longer it might have been six months so there is a, a, a long there could be a long wait time in order to get a pro bono attorney. It could be a long wait time to find out if you can, if you are approved for an attorney. So get your ducks in a row. Start looking at that stuff now. And uh, I hope this helps a little bit. Again, this is not really a checklist, but um, these are some things that you can look at. I can go into more depth about um, all of these things and more, but I'm not going to. This was a lot more than I anticipated as it was, so I hope you have a great rest of your day. I hope this gave you something to think about, and um, I, I'd love to know, what about you? Have you went through the divorce? Have you went through a situation with DCS and your children and so on and so on? How did it go for you? It was scary. It was, um, for me, it was very scary. It was very... Um, I'm very glad I'm over that. I really am. Um, somebody asked me how long my divorce was. So I left him in 2009. Filed for divorce in March of 2009. My divorce wasn't finalized until August of um, 2012. So it was a long time. It was a long time. Uh, he actually, my ex went through, I think like three or four attorneys himself. Just because I... I think he was, um, I know, he was a difficult person to deal with. And some of his attorneys didn't want to deal with him. <laughs> so um, that's, a lot of that was crazy. It was just nuts. I could have sworn that there was somebody watching 
watching us with a reality TV show camera or something because it was crazy. But this is Melinda. I'm going to sign off. I hope you have a great rest of your day and uh, let me know what you think. Did any of this help you? Do you have any suggestions that I can add to this list? I'd love to know. Stay safe. Bye-bye.